0: at CA. Let's get started.
1: Hello, Ericson Covenant Church. It is great, great to be with you again. I so wish I was in person, but the best we got today is a video. So, really, though, it is a gift to be here. Now, it's pretty obvious if uh, you know me even just a little bit that. I'm not getting any younger. I have entered, don't tell anybody this, but I have entered my 60s. Now, those of you in your 20s or 30s, right away, I'm saying, oh, yeah, he's old. (laughs) But actually, I'm feeling kind of good. I feel pretty grounded. I am grateful for all of my life experiences, and I'm grateful for this stage and season of life. Though I am getting used to, change. It seems like that's the one constant over over six decades that I've been reflecting on is there's been a lot of change in my life. And I mean, currently, I don't get up so fast as anymore. Um, I have a little more aches and pains, though I am still six foot three. And I, I, I say that, I don't know if I told you this, but when people meet me on Zoom, They just, hey, I met Rob. And then when they meet me in person, after first meeting me on Zoom, they they say this, like right out of the gate. They say, oh, you're so much taller in person. (laughs) They never say, oh, you're so much thinner or whatever. But there's been a lot of change over 60 years as I think about that. There's been technological change. My first per- pa- Oh, sorry. My first purchase as a pastor was a dual cassette Radio Shack voice message machine. It's cutting edge. That was back in the 1980s. And then, of course, in my lifetime, the invention of cruise control. Like, what? What did we do without without before cruise control? And then there's the. In my lifetime, there is the sticky tape lint brush. You know, the roller thing. I mean, that, that's, that's just fantastic. But, so there's, there's been a lot of change, and you can think about all the changes in your life. But uh, another part of change for me is the, the change in my faith, which is good, I think. I mean, our faith should and can, does grow over time, and it should change as it has for me. I mean, one of the changes for me is this movement from a simple faith, which is beautiful, to holding now the complexity of faith. For example, when I hear and when I do myself pray for the protection of my family, as we should, God protect. For every time I pray that, though, there are families that are not protected, there are people who are not protected from death or war. That's complex but that's faith. I still believe. I just believe a little bit differently. So from simplicity to complexity, I, another change for me has been this this movement from certainty to mystery. I when I was a younger follower of Jesus, I was pretty certain of a lot of different things. How the world worked, how 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 God worked, how the Bible worked, how churches worked. Um My faith just holds now a whole lot more mystery. Um, There are things I don't know. (laughs) Duh! God is bigger than I ever thought. And so, though my faith is still very, very dear to me, important to me, there are things that I I have questions about. I there's mystery. You know, a change from sort of a rational approach to faith. It's another change for me over sixty years to a more, I would say, holistic approach to faith that includes not just my mind, but includes my body, includes my emotions. All of that has been ch- these shifts. You know, that have happened in my life, and these shifts have been gradual. They've happened as a result of life hardship. They've these these changes have happened as a result of mentors, of the Holy Spirit I trust, um, of community, of the church. And from my little vantage point, now from my 60s, like I said, faith does and should and can grow and mature. It is a good adventure. And when I say faith, what do I mean? I, I, I mean this bedrock belief in God's loyalty, in God's love, in God's hope, in God's presence. It's just this foundational belief that God is what God said God would be, loving and loyal and hopeful and present. At least that's been my faith over the years, that I've come to believe that God is always To quote a really good friend of mine, Rob Lone, God is always up to something good, acting for our well-being. So my faith over these years have settled down into this core, grounded sense that God is good, that God is with me, that God is for us, God is with us, God is holding us. As we navigate all the complexities of life, I was hiking with my family on Vancouver Island many years ago, and our youngest son Andrew probably was three years old, I think three, three and a half, something like that. And we were walking on a ridge, and my my kids were my other two kids were a bit older. My wife they kind of walk this narrow, narrow little ridge along a, a, a rock face. I mean, it was wide enough, but it it was like. Rock up to your left as you were walking, and then down to your right. So, I mean, it wasn't a long stretch, but it, it was a bit unnerving. And I remember Andrew right in front of me. He just froze. He turned around, and he just clung to me. So, okay, what am I going to do? How are we going to get across this little ridge of rock, a uh, rock path? And I, I just lifted him up, and he clung to my chest as I kind of sideways walked along this ridge. That, to me, is this picture of clinging that, for me now, is this metaphor of clinging to God as God walks with me across whatever happens in my story. So this is good news, that our faith in God, though wonderfully complex, is something that is beautiful. It is good news, and it's something I want to highlight today, is this faith of ours, being good news and a source for us of hope, hope in God. And the reason for this is that in the scriptures, in this story about the raising of the widow's son, we get the good news of how God acts for the good of this mother and this widow. So I want to unpack this story. I want to look at the story closer, and then I want to end my sermon with two invitations for us today. So let's look at the story and then two invitations for us in the story related to the complexity of our faith. So that's, that's the broad theme today, is the mystery and complexity of our, our, of our faith in God. So Luke 7, 1 through 11, I trust it was already read for you, drops us right into the middle of a messy, heartbreaking story. It's a story of grief. And I hope we can feel it. I hope you can see it. The story takes place in a small town southeast of Nazareth. Everybody knows everybody in this town, most likely. And this son has died. And so the mother, again, in Middle Eastern culture, the the funerals are going to take place pretty quickly after the death of the body because there's no one bombing. So within a day... Within within twenty-four hours most likely they're now carrying this this dead son to the burial site. The crowd is around her. The professional wailers, most in, again, Middle Eastern culture, they're doing their thing. They are wailing. And we, we often think as Westerners, that's really weird. But actually it's kinda kind. They're doing the wailing, the loud, exuberant, Middle Eastern kind of emotion to create space for the family to grieve without drawing attention to themselves and they're grieving as you can imagine and so they're walking the spices of the that have anointed the body they're carrying the the body on a on a stretcher a buyer, it says in this in the scriptures the NIV but it's really just a stretcher to carry the body and there's there's dedicated people to carry the body cuz you would never touch in in Jewish Culture, you don't touch dead things, and especially dead bodies. So there's certain people carrying this boy on a stretcher. There's wailing, and they're outside the city. They're making their way maybe to a cave. Maybe that's where the father was buried, and they're going to place the boy on the shelf. So that's, that's the scene. It's heartbreaking. But then two large groups bump into each other, There's the large group in verse 12 with the mother and then there's the large group with Jesus in verse 11. They bump into each other. And right in the middle of all of this, verse 13, Jesus, the text says, saw the mother and his heart went out to her. He is compassionate and he says to her don't cry Jesus is moved he's not indifferent (laughs) he's not in a hurry he is touched by the grief and he speaks out don't cry which maybe to our ears is a bit odd because who wouldn't be crying But maybe it's more like, don't cry because the story is about to turn. And then Jesus does the culturally inappropriate thing. It doesn't matter to him. He goes over and he touches the stretcher. He probably is inviting them to put it down onto the ground. And then he speaks to the boy. Get up. And the boy gets up. And starts to talk. And wouldn't it be nice to know what the boy said? I mean, what are the options? (laughs) Nice to see you again. Or, I'm hungry. Or, what happened? Anyway, the wails of grief that were part of this large crowd following the mother of this dead son, now turn to wails of joy. They're crying. You can. I can't imagine. I don't, I don't know if you watched the, the show, The Chosen. But in season three, there's, there's a scene where Jesus heals a woman who is blind at the initiative of her friend who has a, re, a, a, a horrible leg. Uh, so Jesus heals this woman. I mean, it's a beautiful scene. My point is this. And he also heals the man who has a, 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 um, a diseased, infected leg. But, but the laughter that comes out of these two people, that, that's just, this is what's in this text. This joyful, exuberant laughter now that Jesus has acted for this widow because he is moved to compassion I love this story but there's something missing in this story any guesses now it's not fair it's it's not a trick question but in this story there is no mention of faith in Luke 7, in the story you may have already looked at last week, the story of the centurion and the and the, <clears throat> the healing of the servant, Jesus says of the centurion, a Roman, by the way, I have not found such great faith even in Israel. Jesus loves when his disciples have faith. Jesus is moved when people have faith in him. And, and one time he said, you know, you can have faith as big as a mustard seed and you'll, you'll move mountains. But in the story of the widow's son, all we have is, no mention of faith, we have the compassionate response of Jesus. Now, he Jesus loves when we have faith, but he's never bound by that. Whether we have great faith Or little faith. I like how this story kind of shakes everything up when it comes to our understanding of how faith impacts the activity of God in our life. Jesus in this story is doing what Jesus has done so many different times. He's moved by the circumstance of those in need. And he responds to a mother who is walking with her her son who is dead, to a gravesite. There will be another mother later on in the story of Jesus who will walk with that throng of people burying her son. And you know I'm referring to mother, the mother of Jesus. But in this day, without any mention of faith. Now, does the widow does the, have faith? Maybe. But that's not the point. The point is, Jesus acts in compassion for her. It's a story of hope. I have a friend who just a year ago, a good friend, late 30s, diagnosed with lymphoma. Serious, serious stage and reality of cancer. This past Sunday, he said to us, to my wife and to me, he's cancer-free. Like, like, that's a story of hope. And we just thank God for that. It's all grace. And why did grace come to Chris? It's just the nature of life. You know this. Not everybody survives lymphoma, but Chris did. And there's a mystery, isn't there, why God heals some and not others. And you probably know this firsthand, this, 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 this holding of our faith, this complex, wonderfully mysterious thing called faith in a living God. I wonder sometimes as I read the stories of Jesus, why didn't Jesus heal everybody? Why didn't he raise all the dead children? We don't know the answer to that. I don't know the answer to that. But in response to the raising of the the boy in the story of the widow, everybody is filled with awe, as they should be. And their sayings that Jesus is a great prophet or that God has come to visit his people are straight out of the Old Testament. They're referring to stories of the Exodus and the, mirac- the, the, the miracles of the prophets. And news spreads everywhere, as, it, as you would expect. It's a great, great story. So as I reflected on this story, there's a couple of invitations that I think are present. The first is this. I think this story invites us to praise God for all of the times that Jesus has lovingly and powerfully acted on our behalf. And to give gratitude to God for these grace moments that have come to us, not because of our faith, maybe even in spite of our faith, maybe at a time when our faith was so fragile and broken, but God acted for us anyway. Just to remember that. I think this story invites us to remember and to give thanks to God for how God has acted. I remember a pretty hard time in my life, in my family's life, for my wife and I. Our son Eric is on the autism spectrum, and as a young boy, it was really, really hard. and I remember one night praying in my office, just weeping. What is gonna come of this boy? How are we going to parent him? <laughs> it was it was just really hard. And I heard this voice in my soul that said, He's gonna be okay, Ra. And a peace just swept over me like It was all gift. It didn't solve all of the problems of raising a special need child. But the peace that God gave to me in this whisper, he's going to be okay, Rob, settled my soul. He's doing great, by the way. But in the middle of the mess of my predicament, God came and acted. And I'm grateful for that. So our faith is this bedrock belief in God's loyalty, love, and hope, and presence. It's not just past tense, and that's, this is my point. This text invites us to remember how this God who acted for the widow, who acts for us, still acts today. That God is present and acting and loving and guiding and remaking and restoring and comforting us. In real time. That's good news, that God still is with us, and our faith can rest in that. So if the first invitation is just to praise God for the grace moments in our life, the second invitation is to hold the mystery of our faith with humility. And what do I mean? The story for me raises attention. On the one hand, God does the miraculous thing powerfully, raises this boy back to life. But on the other hand are all the times when God doesn't raise the dead. It's both and. God acting miraculously for, for the, the benefit of others and God seemingly not acting. For the benefit of others let me put it in the form of a of a question when we are facing the messy heartbreak of our own life all the stuff that happens to us can we expect god to raise the dead for us now that's a metaphor can we expect god to act for us it's fair to say that the widow had no expectation it's all grace that her son was raised by Jesus which and by the way i mean he was raised to ordinary life and but he would die again <laughs> that's just the nature of life but can we expect god to do the miraculous for us the answer is we can't know we can't no amount of faith can make god act for us and the smallest amount of faith god is pleased And no faith at all sometimes results in God acting still, as in our story. So it's not about getting God to act for us. We can't. Though there are times when we can desperately, appropriately plead for God to act. We are left with the mystery of our wonderfully complex faith. That though we can't dictate God's activity we can trust in God's loyalty, love, hope, and presence without any certainty of a pain-free life, without demanding that God protect us from all harm, because God doesn't. This is the invitation of the story for me it invites me to hold this mystery that my faith, though, is sure in God's enduring, sustaining presence, I will walk through the valleys of the shadow of death. I will encounter heartbreak and hardship. And God, in mystery, will not remove them from my life. But it doesn't change this truth, is that Jesus does show up, even though Jesus doesn't always raise the dead. That to me is encouraging. It just seems the scriptures resonate with the sustaining, enduring presence of God, even in our sufferings. So two invitations of the text, to remember how grace has come to us and give thanks, And then in humility, in humility, hold the mystery of our faith that doesn't solve all of life's problems and to seek the enduring presence of God. I want to end my message today with an invitation to prayer. I want to invite you just to follow along now as I lead us in a guided prayer. And then uh, we'll go into our week together. So let, let's pray together. I invite you now, with faith, to bring to your mind's attention a predicament, a hardship, something that might be coming or is currently happening Do you see it? Can you feel it? Whatever that is. Now imagine that Jesus shows up for you in the middle of that messy situation, that heartbreak. What does Jesus say to you? Listen now. To the Holy Spirit of Christ, what is Jesus speaking into your challenge, hardship, heartbreak, loss? Jesus, thank you that you are faithful in your love, in your presence, that you give us hope, even in the darkest of experiences, because you are with us. You will never, ever leave us. There is nothing, O Christ, that can separate us from your presence. We cling to that. Deepen our faith, O Christ, that we might believe again, that you are Emmanuel, God with us, no matter what. Amen. Great to be with you. Uh, the grace and the love of Christ sustain you this week. Amen.
0: Thanks for listening in today. We hope you feel encouraged and challenged. If you know someone who would benefit from what you have heard today, please share this podcast. For more information, or if you have questions, you can connect with us through our website, ericksoncovenant.ca. You can also find us on Facebook by searching for Erickson Covenant Church.